for that. Anyway, tonight, um, talk about living in a glass house. Now, um, as a pastor, um, I understand a lot about that. And uh, any of you that are deacons or church leaders or anytime you're, you're involved heavily in the church, people know it and you live in a glass house, they're all kind of looking to see. And of course, the old saying is, don't, if you live in a glass house, don't throw rocks. And, and that's very true, especially of us church folks. We shouldn't be throwing rocks at people or anything because we live in a glass house that's going to come back to bite us, as it were. So um, our scripture passage this, this evening is in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 25. Those that are able, if you stand as we read God's word. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or the governor who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that we, by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect for everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is, a commendable, it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain and unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it? To your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it this is commendable before God to this you were called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth when they hurled their insults at him he did not retaliate when he suffered he made no threats instead he entrusted himself to, he, to him who judges justly he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going to astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. So people watch us. Like it or not, they watch us. They, um... They, they want to see if we really walk the talk. You know, we can talk all day, but can we walk that talk? You know, it's kind of like in, in football, we, we say, hey, we're all that, we're doing this, we're going to beat the, you know, but do we really show it on the field? Or whatever you're doing, are you showing what you're doing to those around us? They also watch to see our failures. Sometimes they take great joy in seeing us fail when especially a known christian or a church leader fails um when when troy was my son was a young person at, at rosemont they would love to tattle on him the youth group would kind of find something he did wrong and i'd hear about it you know as the, as the as at that time i was the youth pastor and did music and youth and and he was my son and so the kids loved to go yeah how are you going to handle this your son's and so I'd have to 
kind of get on to him in front of them or whatever and then get home and say, look, I know what they were doing. <laughs> you know, I understand. They were just trying to see. And you see, that happens to all of us. The, the non-Christian world out there just looks just and says, uh-huh, this has happened, how are they going to handle that? Uh-huh, they're not so super pious and all that. They love to see it. If a, if a popular TV preacher or something has an indiscretion or something happens, boy, what, it's all over the news, it's all over everywhere. Why? Because they like to see, the Christians want to see us, it's that glass house we live in. They're looking all in there and they want to see what you're going to do, what's going to happen, how's it going to, what's going to go, and how are you going to deal with it. So, so some will watch us to see how firm our faith is and to see if they can develop a faith that will trust in that law that a strong Christian has. You see, they're also watching to see, okay, they've had some things happen to them. How are they going to deal with it? They've had a setback. They've lost a job. They've had a failure in a marriage. Or they've had a, a break, broken relationship. Or they've had a severe illness. How do they deal with it? And how is it different from the way I dealt with it? You see, we as Christians should deal with things differently. It should not be the same as when we don't have Christ. We have uh, options. It's a scary thing. And many times we say silent because we don't want to look bad or say the wrong thing or do that. But as Christians, we have to realize that people are watching us anyway. And it, we can't just kind of hide in our little hole when things don't go our way and decide, well, maybe nobody will notice. Because trust me, as <laughs> they notice. They know when you are having things go on in your life. Romans 1.8 tells us this. It's a very interesting verse. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. You know, we don't think they know, but they hear. And they want to know what's going on. How are you handling whatever's going on in your church? What's, what's going on down at that Forest Heights Baptist Church? What are they up to there? Are they really following? So it's with extreme pressure. When we have that pressure, we have to, about things that we do in public. <laughs> and we don't want to be an obstacle to others, do we? And we have pressure because the public's watching. And we're out in public doing things good, bad, and indifferent, how are the people seeing us? Our Christian testimony is vital to who we are. Once we're saved, we have to, dis all of a sudden we've accepted Christ, now the people want to see what, okay, they accepted Christ, what's going to be different about this? What is their testimony going to be? We don't think about our testimony that much. I, I, Anybody that, that leads any kind of witness training class or any kind of soul winning class or anything like that, one of the first things, if I ever lead it, the first thing I make them do is write their testimony out. I want to know what their testimony is. I want them to have that down because you can refute all kinds of stuff, but you cannot refute what's happened to me. It's happened to me. I know what's happened to me. I know how my life's different than it was before. I know how my life is different since I've had Christ be the center of it. And we've got to let that testimony shine through. And if people see our testimony, that's something that they're going, ah, who 
there is something different about them. They handle these things way differently than I do. Instead of just going crazy and throwing their hands up and quitting and running and hiding in a hole or something, they stand up there and go, okay, I had this happen, but I'm going to keep trusting God. He's going to show me how to get through it. And he will. He will show you how to get through it every time. And that's what First Peter's telling us. Helps us how to deal with these pressures and how to handle it. Some reasons Peter gives are that they see precious Jesus in us. Do they see precious Jesus in us? Or do they just say, well, yeah. Oh, he got released. He's got this. No, they need to see Jesus in us. Jesus has given us a blueprint for living. He has showed us how to do that. And our testimony is our walk with the Lord. And people need to see our walk and our dependence on Him. We try so many times to fix it ourselves. I do. I'll take care of it. It'll be all right. No, we have to depend on Christ to show us what the next move will be. I told you I got fired from church. If I got fired from church, what's my next move? Do I get out? I tried. I really did. I said, this is how it's going to be. I'm going to get out. I'll do something else. And when I depended on Christ, he says, no, you're not. You're not getting out. You're not going to let those bozos bother you. You're going to go on, you know. You'll keep on going. And sure enough, he opened the door for a place that really taught me about ministry and really taught me about how I could move forward and how I could be a better minister of the gospel. And that's what we all want. We all also must submit to authority. He mentions that in here. We have to submit to authority. We don't like it. We don't always agree with them. We may, we, but we have to obey the laws. Otherwise, we are no different from the pagans. You know, it's easy for us to do, do that. With, but when we struggle with those that are still in our authority, we have to continue to be under their authority whether we disagree or not. And I, when I think about that, I think of Daniel. Remember, not this Daniel, but another Daniel, the Daniel in the Bible. Uh, when, remember when they were, they were exiled, where they were captives, they were, and they went and they didn't like the food? He said, this food isn't what we need to eat. We need to do something else. He didn't go bow up in front of them and say, we're not eating this. He didn't, what did he said, let us try our food, and, and if we're not as healthy and strong as the other, then we'll go to yours. But, but give us a chance to keep our diet and keep what we're doing. And because he was respectful and handled it properly, what? They let him. And what happened? He showed that their food was better for them and worked out better. So Peter says, we are strangers and pilgrims in a land of this world. If that isn't true today, I don't know what is. We are strangers of this world. This is a crazy world we live in. And we are definitely strangers. I mean, we, what are they doing? Right's wrong, wrong's right. Whatever you say is wrong, we're going to get you. Um, we have to understand that we don't always fit in. Y'all ever been to a party you didn't fit in? I guarantee you. I've, I've showed up someplace and went, oh, what am I doing here? I should not be here. This is not where I'm supposed to be. I need to find a way out of this situation. 
Our citizenship is not on this world, it's in heaven. We have to realize that. So we're not necessarily going to fit in. But that will be our final home. And so we shouldn't be too comfortable in our surroundings. I think some of us Christians have gotten too comfortable in our surroundings and have followed along and just kind of gone along with the flow and just kind of moved along with it. I've got some friends that are just kind of, well, we can go a little bit this way and do these things a little bit this way or go a little that way. And I'm like, well, we're accepting some stuff I don't think we're supposed to be accepting. And we're condoning some stuff. I'm not sure we should be condoning. And we've got to be careful because people are watching us way more closely than we think. They know when we, when we kind of waffle back and forth to this, that, and the other. We struggle most with the desires and, and um, the things around us. We'll, how tempting would it be if you found a sack full of money? on the sidewalk. Nobody around, but it was a big old sack full of money. Woo! That would tempt Wes, I will just tell you. You know, there might be enough money there to buy a new motorcycle. You know, I, who knows? But, you know, you see that, and, and I'm looking at that and go, whoa, but, but what should we do? Obviously, find out who it belongs to. Um, we've all seen the, I think they had like an armored car that wrecked or something, and all the cash was out all over the road. Everybody's ah! pulling up all the cash. Was that cash theirs? No. That cash didn't belong to any of them, but yet they were scooping it up like free money, you know? And I'm sure some of them got away with some of it, but it still wasn't right. And we've got to be very careful because we're. We're, we struggle with temptations like everybody else. It's funny, though, everybody in this room has a different temptation that would bother them more than them. I don't know what yours is. Like I said, that bag full of money would probably really tempt me. I mean, what the hell is that? Or whatever, you know, but others' temptations get us. You know, we all have them. Those things that will get, it's so easy to know. We, um, we've all seen people that find money and, and decide that's what they've got to go after. That's all they want. They want to do this. That temptation is right there. Our lifestyle should show our commitment to Christ. That's the way our lifestyle should be. Every day, we should be showing our commitment to Christ. How do we live? Are we all about others, other things and people? Are we about helping people? Are we about taking care of things? Are we about what's in it for me? Or are we in it what's in it for someone else? See, as a Christian attitude, we have to look at things differently. How do we handle those that don't treat us very well? Do we write them off? Sometimes. Sometimes I write them off. Uh-uh-uh. Does our integrity and honesty show through? Are we silencing them by our well-doing? Because you all know, like I know, you keep, as they say, pouring on the sugar on them, you know, and, you, and, the, and all of a sudden they're going, wait a minute, that's not how they were supposed to react to this situation. I just spread bad rumors about them, or I just did this. 
I just mistreated them. I mistreated, or worse, they mistreated one of my children. Or they, you know, if they did something like that, and how do we handle those things? How can we silence them by doing good deeds towards them? That's tough. I, folks, I, th this is what I call the hard stuff. This is the stuff that I'm going, wait a minute, Lord. I'm not sure I signed up for that. You know what they said about me? And I'm supposed to be nice to them? Oh, I don't know, Lord, if I can do that. Are other people curious about our changed life? Those that knew us before and those that know us now, are they curious about, whoa, what's the difference? What happened there? How are they looking different? How are they acting different? How are they doing things differently? Do they look into our glass house and see a different person than before? Like I said, we're all living in it. Like it or not, I'm looking around this room. They're looking. They're saying, yeah, I see them. How are they really handling these things? They have only, some of them have only known me by who I am now. Not like the little boy <laughs> that used to lie about stuff to get out of trouble. Which I think the last whooping I got was for lying. I'm pretty sure it was. Why? Because I thought I was going to get out of some trouble and ended up getting in more trouble. <laughs> and we all know how the lies work. You tell one, then you've got to tell another one, and then you've got to tell another one. And Next thing you know, you're in over your head. <laughs> and you're, and see, did those people that knew me as that little boy that would do that see a difference now? Hopefully. Hopefully they see that I'm not that same little boy that did that. Christians over the years have been accused of all kinds of things, haven't they? Come on, they have. They've, they've, um, they've called... Some of the examples I was giving, I was looking at some stuff, was one church called their meeting a love feast. They come for a love feast. Well, people took that and ran with it way the wrong way. Some have accused Christians over the years for cannibalism because of the Lord's Supper, the body and the blood of Christ. Now, we think that's the most absurd thing we've ever heard. Not to those trying to get us, folks. Not to those that are trying to show that we're not really who we say we are. They'll come up with all kinds of stuff. They see those things and go, yeah, there's something all right. They're a bunch of cannibals in that church. They eat body, body and blood, drink blood. Really? But they'll do it. We, we look at it and go, no, that doesn't really happen. That really has happened. That was one of the examples they gave that, that, that people, they... They tried. Anything to make Christians look bad. <laughs> it's that way now more than ever. Folks, they're watching us. They want, they want to see us trip and fall. But unfortunately, now so many have just not said anything that we're not an influence anymore. We're just not, they're just not paying any attention to us because we we're, as they say, irrelevant. We have, for the first time, I think, we're less than a half 
a Christian nation. Man, it used to be, especially if you were in the South, we're in the buckle of the Bible Belt, folks. Everybody goes to church. And the northerners that come down here, they kind of feel that way. They think because there's a Baptist church in every corner, and there, you know, there's, there's churches all over the place, and they look at us like, wow, is that all they do down here? And, but the, we all know that's not true anymore. Just because you're in the South, and all, it's, it's not necessarily. I remember when, if you went door to door, if you went to somebody's house, they'd tell you they remember somewhere where they were or not. They would tell you they remember somewhere because they knew that they were supposed to be. And usually it was a church they attended when they were a kid or it was a church that they'd been to once or something like that. But seriously, that happens. And now they don't make any bones about, no, I'm going to church. I'm no affiliation. Why? What would I do that for? Folks, it has become all of a sudden we are a, a nation that God means nothing to anymore. And if we don't watch out, our church is going to be like those in England and in Europe that are a bunch of empty cathedrals. You know, you've got these beautiful buildings these people built to the glory of God. They did this to glorify God. That's why they put that money and made these unbelievably nice. If you ever go see some of the cathedrals, I mean, unbelievable places. And they built these things for the glory of God, and now they sit empty because nobody cares. And if we as Christians don't start standing up and saying, we care, we've got to do this, we have, we'll never see it happen again. Our nature makes us feel like we have to tear down those that we fear and don't understand. And that's what they're doing. The non-Christians of this world feel they have to tear us down so they'll feel better about themselves. They've done everything they can about our strong beliefs, our opposition to abortion, our opposition to gay marriage, our opposition to all these things that really are important to us, lying, stealing, cheating, all, you know, the typical stuff that we as Christians are against. They have made everything they can do to make it okay and make it look like we have no clue what we're talking about and that we're just a bunch of people that hate people. I'm sorry. I love all those folks. I don't necessarily like what they've done, but I sure enough like them. I, I, I've got some very good friends. I've even got some relatives that are in the gay community. I've got some friends that, that have gone through difficult, difficult times that look down the church and have given up on the church but I still love them and would try to influence them and work with them and, and tell them. It's, it is a world right now that are anything they can do to tear us down and to make us look like we have no clue. So we have to constantly look at the way Jesus walked and follow his way, the way he lived in a glass house. Now, folks, if anybody lived in a glass house, Jesus did. You know, you read the stories. I mean, they were constantly on him. They were always picking a fight. All the time. All the way through. He, and he, what did he do? He said, no, I'm going to go and do what I'm supposed to do. I, I look at it when he first began. If you remember, as a child, he was in the temple and got left behind. Remember? He, he was left and the parents had to come get him. They, came, they traveled a day's journey away. We found out he was gone. Had to travel another day's back. He'd been in the temple with, with, you know, doing his father's business, doing good things. He wasn't being a bad boy. 
But when mom came, what did he do? Went with her. Why? Because he respected his mom. His first miracle was changing water into wine. He said, it's not my time yet, but because my mama asked me, I'm going to honor my mother. Folks, he did the right things, and he made sure he... Now, he bucked up when he had to buck up. He turned those money changers' tables over. He wasn't going to let them dishonor his father's house. He wasn't going to let those things happen. But he also showed mercy, and he showed things. He understood Martha's frustration over Mary, yet he still showed value to both of them. He, he understood all these. He, he healed, remember the guard that, that Peter cut the ear off? Peter got impetuous, as Peter does. And what did Jesus do? He didn't say, good going, Peter, way to go, you got one. No. He picked the ear up, put it back on him, kept on going, let him take him off. Why? Because that was the servant minister he was. He forgave and offered repentance to Peter after he denied him three times. He had him say, now, do you love me? Yes. How many times did he say it? Three times. Same as the three times he denied. Who, that's the way he is. So we have to let we have to give our examples as Jesus. He's the one we follow, and he's the glass house we've seen. And we want to follow his example. There's nobody else was perfect like him. So our service needs to show our faith. We need to let it do the talking. We don't need to brag or boast about what we've been doing. We need to let our service do our talking. And that's hard because, man, I did a good thing. People don't even know about that. No, they'll know about it. Trust me. I, I can't say the time people come up and say something to me and went, or the other things they'll do is tell me something I said or did that I didn't remember. I mean, I mean, I had no recollection of it because it was just one of those spirit things. God gave me the words to say at the right time, the right place, wrong thing, and boom, there it was. It's easy to do things for accolades. Doing things that no one knows about is a little more tough. It's a little harder. We can leave people speechless <laughs> when we show grace when others mock or malign us. Folks, if you're still showing grace when they're getting down on you, it, it leaves them speechless. They don't know how to deal with that. We really need to watch our relationships. People watch how we deal with each other. <laughs> Churches will fight over the stupidest little things. They will. This church, luckily, I've not seen anything like that. But I'm telling you, I have been in some churches that fought over some stupid little things. And that hurts the kingdom. Because the unchristians watch that go, why would I be a part of that? I don't want to be a part of that kind of thing. We've got to be very careful when we fight and squabble over petty little things. Many more Christians have been lost because the churches can't get out of its own way. Christ is the guardian of our soul. Y'all got that? There was a Prince of Wales that, um, that was going, his, it was World War II, and he had, had a lot of people wounded. He had like 36 in the hospital, and he said, I'm going to go and, and check on them and, and visit them. And so he went, and he, and he, he visited around, and, and he says, I only counted 30. Well, yeah, there's five. There's, there's these others in another one, but we thought that was too 
awful for you to look at. He goes, no, I, I want to see them all. So he went, and there was only five of them. And he's going, we're still missing one. He goes, well, you really don't want to see him. He's a mangled mess, and he's in bad, bad shape. You just don't want to see him. He goes, yes, I do. And he walked in. This was a man with no arms, no legs. He had been just beat up. His face was on. He was just in a terrible, terrible mess. Barely alive. He leaned over. He kissed him on the forehead and said, wounded for me. He acknowledged that this man was wounded like that to enable him to continue to reign and to be there. Our Savior Christ was wounded for us and sacrificed for us. He is now the guardian of our souls. He's our shepherd and he watches over us. He wants to help us so that as the last verse I read, we didn't go astray. Because we sheep like to go astray. But Jesus is watching out for us. So while we're living in our glass houses, we need to trust that our Savior will help us live the way we should live so that others can see Him in us and through us. That's what we are called to do. That's the way we enhance the kingdom. That's the way the kingdom is honored and glorified. He did so much for us. We need to trust him and let him live and work through us. That he will be honored and glorified. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and what you teach us. Help us as we live in our little glass houses, exposed to everyone, to live according to your word and your will. Help us, Lord. We need you. It's hard. We tend to do things on our own and we tend to go our own way. Lord, help us to follow you. You are a mighty God we serve. We love you and we praise you and we thank you. You give us so many opportunities. Open our hearts and our minds to you. Give us the direction we need. And help us to follow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is a time that you may make any decision you would like. This is our time of invitation. Take my life and let it be. Join with us.